Hi, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of the Manufacturing IT Podcast. I'm joined today by Sheila Stafford. Sheila is the CEO of TeamSense. Sheila, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure, Sheila. So for, for those uh, listeners who, who don't know you, please give us a bit of a background into yourself and um, who TeamSense are and, and what you guys do. So I'm Sheila Stafford. I'm the CEO of TeamSense. TeamSense makes uh, app-free digital tools that connect, engage, and enable, enable hourly workers. It's, a, it's an interesting one. We, we um, I'm working with a number of companies who hire freelancers and hire hourly workers. So what, what you guys do, it seems really relevant to maybe some of my listeners, some of my clients. So I'm kind of glad that you were keen to talk on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, the manufacturing and construction logistics is really our bread and butter. I would say our tool set is purpose built for them. My background, I have over 20 years experience in and around manufacturing. I'll, I'll date myself a little bit. Um, <laughs> I grew up in, uh, in Buffalo, New York, and in Buffalo, there's a, a Ford stamping plant. And I actually had the opportunity to intern there as a high school student. And so I worked uh, at Ford in high school, stamping out body sides for the 1998 Ford Windstar, which if uh, <laughs> folks are old enough to remember that, that was a, a hot vehicle when the minivans first came out. Those body sides then went up to, uh, to Ontario to be assembled into you know, a, a full-size car. And it's there I fell in love with manufacturing. And so I went and got my mechanical engineering degree and found my way back to be a manufacturing engineer at General Motors. I worked at GM for a period of time and eventually moved into more of the business side of kind of the planning of manufacturing um, with Whirlpool Corporation. And I worked at Whirlpool uh, for a number of years before being recruited out to the West Coast here in the U.S. Um, with Fortiv and Fortiv owns uh, a bunch of smaller companies. I worked at one of their opcos called Fluke um, and then eventually found my way to, uh, to founding TeamSense as a way to really connect this workforce. Uh, as you know, and, and your listeners know, you know, manufacturing employees are unique. They, they don't have access to corporate emails. They often don't have uh, a company phone and they don't otherwise have access to screens yet kind of in this workplace technology revolution, they've been left behind. And so we kind of seize this opportunity to kind of bring that digital connection uh, to this workforce. I mean, re really good background insight there, Sheila. So thanks for that. Yeah. And, and I guess, you know, from my perspective, seeing the business, you know, how, how long have you have been going? Two and a half years or slightly longer? Yeah, we started basically uh, with COVID. So if you think about <laughs> kind of the, the pandemic coming, you know, the pandemic just really was, was an eye opener because if you think about it, like as scary as it was, like these big shifts in kind of markets represent the biggest business opportunities like we'll likely see in our lifetime mm -hmm. so kind of sitting there looking at it saying wow okay like everybody's being you know sent home at some point like there's a subset of the population that like doesn't have the opportunity to work from home and so our idea was how do we get these folks back to work safely we knew that there would be some sort of like symptom tracking I mean there was laws coming out that was you know um, with OSHA like making sure that this was mandatory for employers I knew from my experience that these folks are otherwise, you know, not connected. There's policy changes happening all of the time. They're not being communicated to because they were, you know, formally communicated to in, you know, toolbox talks and town halls and things like that. And so we had this idea of like, hey, I can build a workflow engine 
that can then you know, be app-free that they could utilize via text message. We can then connect this workforce, solve this one problem for them. But once we have that connection, I bet we can then solve a bunch of other problems for them as well. And so that was kind of the big bet that we made. Um, and we launched you know, in uh, officially in like May of 2020. Mm. We had our first customer in June. Uh, I was still filing like the actual articles of incorporation of the business. <laughs> in July. And so trying to manage like, oh, they're paying us. And we don't really have a company. Uh, but we <laughs> slid that through. Um, and so we got our first paying customer just within weeks and then landed a couple like really big brands um, like Hunter Douglas and Pella Windows and Sloan Valve Company, which then, you know, just kind of gave credence to what we're doing. And, and we haven't looked back since then. No, kudos. I think it's a really interesting time. And, you know, I launched my business in, in November of 2020. So I know what it's like to start a business during COVID. But, <laughs> you know, we, we talk about filing documents, opening bank accounts, but, you know, the people doing that, you know, bureaucratic uh, tasks, they, they, weren't in, they weren't in work, they were delays. So it made, <laughs> right. made it even harder. Totally. I agree. So many things, but, uh, but we're happy to be where we're at right now. No, definitely. So, so largely, you know, serendipitous then that the pandemic came along and, and driving employee engagement and, and communication amongst businesses and employee, employees was, was a huge focus. Yeah, you know, like I would say what we got right was like once we had this kind of connection in this digital workflow engine. So if you think about our engine, um, I'll put it in the context of symptom tracking because that's how we started. But then you could see quickly how it expands to other things. Sure is that we've got like a, a survey engine that based on your answers can then send you down different paths. So for example, you know, are you sick? Yes. Okay. Like, are you experiencing any of these symptoms? No. Okay. Then what is the other nature of your illness? And so you can send somebody down these different paths. Once they get to that endpoint, you can then kind of mass communicate out to managers and things like that. Um, you know, different, we'll say notifications or statuses of the employees. Sure. And so, you know, that engine, like we got right, was like, yes, this is useful. We now use that same kind of base engine for attendance management, for, you know, maintenance requests, for employee pulse surveys, entry surveys, exit surveys, like you name it, any sort of kind of dynamic question and answer uh, flow. Um, OSHA safety reporting is another example. And so mm -hmm. that was right. The one thing that we didn't predict is like what you just touched on, which was this, this like incredible tailwind. So the worker shortage has kind of overtaken this particular industry where like, who knows where all of these workers went, right? Like that's one yeah. of the big kind of questions is like, where are all these people that, you know, were formerly, you know, available to work? So worker shortages kind of took over and now, you know, folks are really struggling to, you know, make sure that they have enough people to fill the lines. And then B is this, I'll call it a shift in power balance where, you know, before you would say like the employer had the power balance, you know, with this particular employee set, we're now we're starting to see that shift. And so evidence of that is, you know, like the strikes at John Deere or Kellogg's or the unionization of Starbucks out in Buffalo. And so this worker balance like has shifted and that has got employers thinking like, oh, like I need to understand and really kind of hone in on like what is going on with this population? Like, how do we engage them? How do we understand what they want and what they need ahead of having, you know, some sort of movement or a problem uh, that then becomes blown out of proportion? 
Yeah, I, I think that that's what I was excited when we first spoke, Sheila, before the recording was the use cases. And, you know, once your imagination starts flowing with these different case studies and how the business can solve multiple issues. I mean, it must be a super exciting time at uh, TeamSense. Yeah, it's been incredible. I mean, we are growing like crazy. Um, and so like even though we started off as COVID, like you can imagine the demand for the COVID product uh, fell at the same rate the vaccine became available. But <laughs> yeah. again, like not a problem for us because we had built this workflow engine. And so, you know, I call it like taking off a coat. So like we were going to market as, you know, a solution for that. We just simply like took off that coat and now we go to market with these discrete solutions to the problems that we solve. So you might find us if you're looking for like a call in or call out solution. Uh, you might find us if you're looking for a mass communication solution to your um, workforce. You might find us for safety incident reporting, things like yeah. that. The cool part about our system is like we've got no intention of like replacing your core IT, right? And so yeah. like what we do is we just simply connect that workforce. So, you know, things like we've got integrations with, you know, your big systems like your ADPs of the world, your workdays of the world, your Ceridians of the world, your pay cores, you mm. know, like we basically then use our system to collect that information from those workers and then go ahead and write it back into, you know, your core system. And so the lift is, um, is much, much lighter than, you know, taking on some other solutions that are looking to like take over your time and attendance. Like that's not us. We're just supplementing yeah. it. And I guess that, you know, buy in from from, you know, be it HR employees as well, because you've made it app free, which which you say I was going to ask you about. Yeah. What was the thinking behind being app free? You know, we live in a world now where everything is app orientated. Um, so talk me through a little bit about why app free. You know, this just really stems from my knowledge of working in and around this population for my you know entire existence. Like my dad is a is a blue collar, like factory electrician. Right. And okay. so I've like lived this my entire life. <laughs> and, you know, the number of times that I've heard people say like, oh, you want me to put a company app on my personal phone? Yeah. Like, no, not unless like you're paying for it. Right. And so there's this, uh, a little bit of a, a disconnect on like, Hey, you're not paying for my phone. You have no right to put something on the phone. On top, there's growing concern with privacy, right? Like, yeah. is that app in the background following me? And that privacy <laughs> is not unfounded. There's a, um, and we, we work and connect to ADP, so I don't want to like downplay them, but like one of their uh, features for employers is like geofencing. They're like, oh, look, mm -hmm. like your employee can open up the app. And like, we know if they're clocking in like on your site or not, like wow. this is the reason why they don't want it on their phone, right? Yeah, like, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. But that's just an example of like, clearly you don't understand this, this market, right? And so, you know, we took this app-free approach to say, hey, I think we could do this with, you know, the technology that's come out with um, like two-factor authentication where you can understand yeah. the phone number and link that in. We basically ride on the back of that. We then open up um, mobile websites with a security token based on the phone number to understand who it is. They can then do a lot of uh, capabilities to that mobile website, and then we bring that back into our system. Yeah, no, it's an interesting one, and I think I think you hit the nail on the head. I think the privacy point is a huge element, and you know, I, I spoke to someone recently, and you know, probably have a bit of a tangent here, Sheila, but the, the terms of service with TikTok, for example, I don't know if you're aware of this. It is absolutely scary the amount of data that they collect from the app being on your phone, and you know that. 
that security privacy piece is a huge concern for uh, for many. So it makes sense to kind of not have an app. You you kind of have less people engaged there, less buy-in, less people utilizing it. So I think it makes sense what you said. Yeah, the other kind of magic, you know, when I think about how successful we've been is that the the most common thing that people find us for, the most, uh, you know, common discrete solution as like the entry point to TeamSense is this attendance management. So somebody's mm-hmm. looking to replace their call-off system or their call-in system with something a little bit more uh, modern with the times. And so in this case, the employer makes the use of TeamSense mandatory. Like if you're going to call off, like you have to utilize TeamSense. Okay. In our case, they initiate it via text. And so all of the interactions are text message. And text is is really cool. We benefit from a lot of kind of ingrained user habits. And so one is that, you know, everybody knows how to use text. Like there's no training <laughs> on like how to text message, right? Um, you don't need any special downloads. People automatically know, like I can't get your location from your text message. They know mm. there's nothing like nefarious going on. But where the magic is, is that employees actually prefer text. And so they view kind of this, you know, team sense, like with open arms. They're like, yes, like, thank God. Like, I don't want to call somebody when I'm not feeling well and like explain myself to them and feel like they're, you know, kind of interrogating me. Yes. Yeah. That makes sense. And so like they, the employees are like, yes, like this system is incredible. And so what happens is, is the, the employers make it mandatory. The employees love kind of the acceptance of it. We immediately get 100% coverage of the entire population. And then from there, when they want to add other workflows, it's much easier because we've got 100% of the population on board. No, it make, makes a lot of sense. And it sounds like clearly a lot of joined up thinking behind the scenes and, and your expertise and experience in manufacturing is obviously driving that, Sheila. So it's kind of really exciting to hear. Um, curious to ask then, so if, if Team Sense was in the center of a, a Venn diagram and obviously we've, we've got you know, maybe HR attaching one side, we've got the employees, the other, where else within a business would, would TeamSense kind of have a touch point? Yeah. So we also see uh, workflows in kind of operations. And so okay. that's in like kind of productivity. And then we see it in environmental health and safety. So in like safety incidents reporting. Okay. But, no. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say like, our goal is really to like, own the manufacturing construction construction logistics space, right? So anything that you want to engage with those employees, we want to own that kind of pipe to connect to them and then just, you know, route back to whatever systems you have in your core HR. And so we're looking at, you know, potential integrations with um, CMMS kind of systems, right? And so that you could pass on information to the maintenance techs uh, via our system. We're looking at you know, integrations into some of the the core HR from like an onboarding standpoint. We want to help people understand, you know, training matrices, for example, and help point out like, hey, like first for the attendance uh, uh, product, we could, you know, advance and say like, hey, I know Daniel's going to be out. And, you know, here's the three people that could potentially fill his spot based on, you know, their qualifications. We want to help them solve that and then make, you know, a digital record of that, uh, that training matrix. So, Lots of opportunities to go. And then once we kind of move, it then opens up a lot more use cases for uh, for both of us. That, make, that makes a lot of sense. And, and and thanks for giving us that insight, Sheila. One thing I was really keen with the podcast, and I think I did mention to you before, is to try and get a real equal balance between male, men and women on the podcast. And yeah. one of the things I was really excited to chat to you about is, is your experience and your journey as, as, a, as a female CEO and 
you know, I'm passionate. I've got a young daughter. So, so women in technology, women in manufacturing, they're, they're areas that, you know, are not immediately relevant to me personally, but an area that I want to shed more light and, and kind of create more of, of an interest in the podcast. So I'd love to get your take on, on women in technology, women in manufacturing and your experiences. Yeah, you know, it's it's been an incredible journey. And and only, you know, in recent years have I really kind of taken that step back to to think about, you know, my role as a woman in technology or my role as a woman in manufacturing. I think, you know, I mentioned my dad was a, a factory worker, an electrician, just, you know, an incredibly smart, intelligent human being with all things mechanical. And it just so happened that he had three daughters, right? Like zero sons. <laughs> and so like his thing was like, my daughters are not going to grow up like not knowing how to change oil, not knowing how an engine works, <laughs> not knowing change you know, these, like, yeah, right? <laughs> these like basic things. He's like, I'm going to teach you how to do it and you're going to do it. And so from like a very young age, you know, we were like tinkering and making go-karts and making like little trailers <laughs> that attached to our bike. And so you kind of like fostered that idea of engineering and, and innovation sure. uh, in me. And then, you know, as I kind of grew, you know, I was very mechanically inclined. You know, my dad was a big influence on, you know, he he had to make his living at a factory and he saw the engineers and he's like, ah, oh, they've got a better life than than I do, right? Like they're up in the office, like working on the computer. He's like, you're good at math and science. Like you should be an engineer. Like you can do whatever you want. And I was like, yeah, like I'll be an engineer. Like, why not? Mm. Um, and, you know, went to engineering school. And so, you know, if it wasn't for that, that early influence, you know, of my dad, you know, like none of this would have happened. And, and as wow. I look back, you know, even with some of his work, he, he did electrical work at the factory and then he ran his own kind of residential commercial uh, electrician business on the side in which he would go to other small businesses and put in new outlets or connect new machines. And like, I would go with them and help him. And he would make these points of introducing me to women at these particular businesses. So okay. there was a, um, a testing labs that he did a lot of work for, and they did testing for like uh, toys. And so, you know, like, a, I don't know, um, McDonald's will say that was one of their customers was like the Happy Meal toys need to be tested to be sure that they're you know, not going to break or be like choking parts or like, you know, whatever kind of resistance they need to be for forces. And so this testing lab would do all of these different tests for toys. And there's a lot of these women scientists there that are doing, you know, scratch tests or, you know, all of these different uh, versions of testing. And he would bring me there and like introduce me to these, these women and like kind of show me that like, Hey, these roles exist. Like you can do this. Like here's women, you know, kind of thriving in science. And so like, as a kid, like you don't make the connection, right? You're just kind of yeah. like, okay, thanks dad. Like whatever, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, but now that I'm older, I'm like, wow. Like, you know, thankfully he had the kind of foresight to do that. Um, and then, you know, when I got into it, I never really considered it. Like I said, until recently, I just kind of did my thing was, you know, who I was and, and kind of marched forward. Um, and, and only now kind of reflecting, you're like, huh. Like that was an interesting journey and in, in how much, you know, you had to kind of, I don't want to say beat the odds, but as you learn about unconscious bias and things like yeah. that, it's like, oh, I wonder how much that was impacting like my overall career and, and how I was able to get some, you know, really great mentors that helped kind of propel me forward and continue to grow. 
Oh, yeah, that's, that's a really, really insightful piece. And I can sense the fondness talking about your dad in that. And he sounds like a great guy. And, you know, that that's the attitude that I want to have with, with my daughter, really. And the idea is empowerment, isn't it? It's belief, it's empowerment, and, and it's kind of getting rid of that unconscious bias between, you know, men, women's jobs and, and kind of industry. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And just like figuring out, you know, how you can show them that it's possible, right? Like that's the... The one thing that we've seen in the United States recently with the vice president, you know, Kamala Harris, yeah. you know, it's like, oh, there's a female vice, like now all of these like young girls and women can see and be like, oh, if she can do it, like I can do it. It just becomes a normal thing. Um, and so Definitely. figuring out ways that you can kind of be in the in the public eye and, and just, you know, kind of show them that it's possible uh, is half the battle. No, I, I think so. And I guess that, that segues us nicely. I was going to ask you, you're, you're a member of the Forbes Business Council then. So what, what, what's that, Sheila? Yeah, so Forbes Business Council has a, a group of folks um, that can, you know, write on behalf of Forbes on various topics. And so uh, there's a, an application process to kind of get in and get vetted. And then you can write and submit articles to Forbes. Their editors, of course, you know, they want to maintain quality content um, for their own, you know, magazine article. But once you submit, their editors kind of review and approve and then push back. And like, what's so interesting is like, their editors are, are not necessarily specific to, you know, manufacturing or to technology or to SaaS, but it's great because like when they push back and they're like, hey, like, this is awesome. Like, tell me like three more things here. You're like, oh, wow. Like, I didn't even think of that. Like, like yeah. when you have somebody that's kind of non-biased reading it, um, and so they they kind of push back and forth and really enhance your thinking or, or provide more actionable results. Um, then once you go through that process, like Forbes will then allow you to kind of, um, you know, author articles on on their uh, their magazine. And so it's been a ton of fun. It's not commercial. Um, mm. Like you're not allowed to basically like push your product. <laughs> um, just really like talk about the space, you know, like even mm. if you try to be like, hey, there's a really cool product, like. <laughs> yes i'm like the ceo of team sense like the editors are like no 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 no, no. um yeah. and so they keep it you know kind of pure uh which is a ton of fun and just a way mm. to you know offer you know your thoughts on on what's going on in the industry or you know how to be you know a woman leader in tech or yeah. you know how we can pick other people up and like different ways um you can offer you know assignments and projects and and more than mentorship but really kind of you know actionable insights on ways people can help yeah and i think that plays really well into the point we were making before about representation doesn't it and sh sharing that experience sharing that journey and you know the saying is a rising tide lifts all ships and if you can create that awareness and, and share something and you know it always sounds corny but give something back it, it, it can only be a benefit to all yeah totally one of my favorite organizations i worked with when i was at gm uh was first robotics and I don't know if anyone knows like First Robotics, but basically is a uh, a group of high school students that are interested in STEM uh, come together and build a robot that needs to compete against all these other kind of schools. And so, of wow, course, General Motors. Well yeah, it's really cool. And they've since expanded. They've got some in elementary school that are it's called like Lego, first Lego or something. And so instead of building it out of, you know, CNC machines and um, we'll say like real machines, they have kind of a, a kit of Lego parts that these uh, elementary school kids can put together and then compete. And I had the opportunity to work with um, a high school out of Detroit. 
And it was so incredible because, you know, being a female engineer and it's kind of that same thing, like they got to see it. And like, we worked together on all of these nights and evenings. And uh, these kids would come up from, from their high school to the GM tech center. The reason why they had to come up was we needed all the tools, right? Like we had to actually like use CNC machines to like <laughs> cut out our parts and like, you know, plan and build this robot. Um, but the most meaningful thing after was, you know, we kind of finished, the team went and did a competition in Atlanta, Georgia, which was a huge excitement for the Michigan team kind of going down to Atlanta. But the very end, uh, a couple of, of girls that were in that class had come up to me and said, you know, like, I wasn't sure that I could do this until I saw you here. And like, wow. it kind of hit me. And what's so fun is, you know, they then kind of went on with their lives and they asked for me to help them write, you know, applications into college and they got scholarships and like, I'm still friends with them today. Like we're still wow. connecting and like, they just got married um, and like are like living their lives. And so what a fun connection that just, you know, stemmed from like a really cool program to help get, you know, all kids involved, not just girls yeah. um, and, and really kind of involved into the, the STEM area. No, I love that, Sheila, and, and I've really enjoyed our conversation. I, I appreciate you're a busy CEO, and, um, you know, I really thank you for your time. But what would be great is, is maybe in kind of, you know, a year's time, 18 months' time to have you back on the podcast, and we talk a little bit about where TeamSense are and, and maybe some of the, the new avenues that you, you've started to carve out. Yeah, that sounds great. I would love it. Oh, brilliant. Well, look, Sheila Stafford, CEO of um, TeamSense, thanks so much for joining me. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Bye. Bye, take care.